You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Oh, let us pray today. I receive all of God's love for me. Today I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today I open myself to God's Word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today I proclaim that I am God's beloved. I am God's servant. I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Please be seated. Today we are ending our beautiful talk series called Wilderness. Lessons and inspiration from the book of Numbers. Did you learn a lot from this series? Oh, thanks be to God. For talk eight today, we will be preaching the message, discern God's heart. Say that again. Yes, discern God's heart. Please extend your hands in the word of God and let us glorify His word by singing, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we shall read from the book of Numbers, chapter 26, verses 3 to 4, all together please. So there on the plains of Moab, beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho, Moses and Eleazar the priest issued these instructions to the leaders of Israel. List all the men of Israel, 20 years old and older, just as the Lord commanded Moses. At the very start of our talk series, we learned that this book is called Numbers because God asked Moses to number the Israelites and conduct a census. Now, this Bible passage that we just read is about the second census that they conducted because many people died already and they were preparing to enter the promised land and they were preparing to divide the land among all the tribes of Israel. Question, do you want to receive blessings from God? I can't hear you. Do you want to receive blessings from God? Then be counted. Be part of the census of Jesus' followers and receive your blessings from God. Sige, give the Lord a big hand. Let us glorify His word once more by singing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet 
and the light unto my path. We glorify you, Lord God, for your word. Hallelujah. Yes, as I said a while ago, the journey of the Israelites through the wilderness, oh, they're very dangerous, they're very difficult, and so many people died. And yet, after doing a second census, they counted more than 600,000 Israelites who are about to enter the promised land. The book of Numbers is actually teaching us that we should regularly count, we should regularly make a census of all of our blessings. Because the problem with many of us is this. Ask me what? We focus too much on the negative. We fail to count our blessings. We fail to make a census of our blessings because we focus too much on the negative things happening in our lives. Sickness, death, failures, disappointments. And when we do that, we fail to see the blessings. Yes, of course, we will experience trials and difficulties because with our trials, God is pruning us. God is pruning you. Yes, I agree with you. Pruning is difficult. Pruning is hard. No, pruning is stressful, but pruning is essential so that we will bear more fruits so that we will be stronger, so that our faith will be greater and stronger in the Lord. So, when you are diagnosed with diabetes, for example, God is pruning you. Perhaps God wants you to live a more healthy and a more active lifestyle. So, when you get buried in debt because you are a shopping addict, look at your seatmate. If you're a shopping addict, you got buried in debt, perhaps God is pruning you so that you will be a better steward of your financial blessings. If you got separated from your spouse, for example, God is pruning you. Perhaps He wants you to, you know, look at yourself again and change what needs to be changed. So my dear brothers and sisters, make this your practice. Count your blessings. Focus on the positive in your life. Do not focus too much on the negative and you will realize you have so many blessings that you have taken for granted. Give the Lord a big hand. In our study of the book of Numbers, no? we learned from chapter 1 to chapter 25, that God was actually teaching the Israelites how to live and how to survive in that difficult, dangerous wilderness. As we end our study, we will learn that from chapter 26 up to the very end of the book of Numbers, God is actually teaching the Israelites how to live in the promised land. So God was giving so many laws 
to the Israelites to guide them on how to live in the promised land. So this part of the book of Numbers is actually teaching us the spiritual practice of discernment. Question, who wants to be a disciple of Jesus? Raise your hand. Those who did not raise their hands. <laughs> now, I know all of us, we want to be followers of Jesus, but I'm telling you, Jesus' followers, it's not enough to love God. You need to know how He wants to be loved. We are Jesus' followers. So we must practice spiritual discernment so that we will know how best to love, how best to obey, how best to worship our God. 19 years ago, I said yes to God. I decided that I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I decided that I want to be a Jesus follower. And in my faith journey, God led me to the three major discernments of my life. Discernment number one, God wanted me to leave my homosexual lifestyle behind. And I did that. I said yes to God. And by His grace alone, I've been living a life of chastity and sexual purity. I, thank you. It's grace alone. And now, I'm, I have also discerned that God wants me to proclaim the beauty, the complementarity of sex and gender, and to defend all of us from the colonization of gender ideology. And that's what I'm doing now. Discernment number two for my life. God wants me to live out my faith in all aspects of my life, even in my profession. And I'm an OBGYN doctor, so it was a difficult process for me. But I've decided that I won't prescribe artificial contraception, I won't do ligation, I won't do artificial insemination, and even in vitro fertilization because they contradict the teachings of the Catholic Church. Yes, I lose patients because of my decision. Yes, I lose income because of my decision, but it's okay. And I have also discerned that God wants me to continue fighting against the legalization of abortion here in the Philippines. Can you give the Lord a big hand? The third major discernment for my life is this. God wants me to have a healthy body and a healthy lifestyle. Well, can you please shout, Anyare? Yun na nga eh. Well, I'm still a work in progress, right? God, <laughs> God is not yet done with me. Can you pray for me so that I'll have a healthy body? Kasi hirap na hirap akong umupo. Ang sakit ng tuhod ko. Umupo, tumay. Oh, God. My dear friends, again, I ask you this question. Do you want to be a Jesus follower? You know what to do? Discern God's heart. 
That's what you have to do. Discern God's heart. But in order for you to do that, please stop asking this question. What is best for me? Stop doing that. Because you won't discern God's heart when you keep on asking that question, what is best for me? Instead, you should ask this question. What does God want for my life? If you really want to discern God's heart, you have to spend the rest of your life answering that question. What does God want for my life? Give the Lord a big hand. The last part of the book of Numbers also tells us about the story of Zelophehad, a character or an Israelite who had no sons. He had no sons. He only had daughters. And they had a problem because in the law of the Israelites back then, the daughters cannot inherit anything from the father, only the sons. So, when Zelophehad died, the daughters, his daughters, went to Moses and said this. Let's read together. Our father died in the wilderness and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. They had no laws back then regarding this particular issue. And God gave them all the laws they needed, right? But when God heard the cry of the daughters of Zelophehad, this is what he told Moses. The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. The Lord adjusted. The Lord gave them a new law. Because of that new situation. And this is what the book of Numbers is teaching us. New situations require much more than knowing God's laws. Again, you must discern God's heart. I met a woman who was abandoned by her husband 20 years ago. And the husband had another family. So this woman became a single mother and raised her four children all by herself. And now, 20 years after, the husband is sick and he is, re Grabe yung naku. And he is reconciling with his wife. He wants to move back into their house to spend the rest of his days there. What should she do? What? Ay, she's listening to God's heart, right? Alagaan daw niya. But this, this woman is still discerning God's heart regarding this matter. I also met a father who was offered a job in Taiwan with a salary of 50,000 pesos a month and he's earning 35,000 here in the Philippines. So he is discerning. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to go to Taiwan, additional 15,000, but I will leave my family behind. And my kids are still very young. So he is still discerning God's plan for his um, life. 
I have a friend, a public servant, a government employee who is being offered a bribe. This company is trying to bribe him because the company wanted to win in the bidding of government contracts. And my friend is having some financial difficulties right now. So he's really very tempted to accept. The, I hope he doesn't accept it. But he's very tempted to accept the bribe. He is discerning. Well, we know what God's heart is regarding this dilemma. But he is discerning and praying that he won't give in to the temptation. What am I saying? Ask me what? Every single day. Now, we are faced with so many issues, so many concerns, so many decisions to make. And we have to discern God's heart each and every time. We need to ask ourselves always, what is God's plan for my life? Give the Lord a big hand. To help us discern even more, please all welcome Brother Bo Sanchez. Woo. Give a big hand, Doc Ryan Capitolo. I don't know if I can match his energy. He is amazing. So good. Work in progress. I like that. We all are. Say amen. We now reach this point where there were two tribes. There were 12 tribes of Israel. And there were two tribes that had a request. But it was not like a request. It was more of a, more of a demand. But let's, let's read. Everybody say, I'm ready. In Numbers chapter 32, verse 1 and 2, we talk about these two tribes, the tribes of Reuben and the tribe of Gad. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating the Gad because if, if, this were, if you were just half listening, you, you, you'd think, you know, uh, there's this guy by the name of God. And, and hi, God. And, and God will say, Hello, my child. You know, no, no, there, there's a guy by the name of Gad. And, and, and he had, you know, a generation. He had, he had kids and, and grandkids and so on. And, and so they became a tribe. Now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had a very great number of livestock. Everybody say livestock. And they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead. Everybody say land. Mm-hmm. And, and behold, the place was a place of, for livestock. So they had a lot of livestock. They saw, they saw this piece of land and they said, oh, perfect for us. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came and said to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the chiefs of the congregation, if we found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for a possession. Everybody say possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. So what, what's happening here? Ask me what? God was giving them the promised land for all the 12 tribes. There were two tribes who said, we do not want the promised land. We want the land beside the promised land. Are you with me on this? So that was the situation. Now, here is the discerning question. Are they doing right? Are they doing the will of God by doing that? And, and when you read the Bible, there seems to be no answer. Ask me why. 
Louder. This is a her hermeneutic lesson I'm giving to you. Hermeneutics interpretation, how to interpret. Biblical authors usually, sometimes they do not do this, but usually they do not give a commentary on the morals, on the, on the ethics of their behavior. They will just tell you what they're doing. The Reubenites and the Gadites, they asked Moses, if this is okay for you, can we just stay here in this land? This is perfect for us. We've got livestock, sheep, and, and oxen and stuff. We, this will be perfect for us. It's not in the promised land. This is just beside it. Katabi lang naman Pwede ba dito na kami? Question, are they doing okay? And again, the biblical author is silent. Does not tell you whether they're doing good or right. So we go on. Moses, he asks this question in verse 6. Shall your brothers go to wire while you sit here? So that was the main concern of Moses. You're going to stay here in this land outside the promised land, paano naman yung ten tribes? How about the ten tribes? They're going to be fighting and trying to clear the land, the promised land, and, and, and they're going to go into battle with all the tribes here. And, and, and while you were sitting pretty there, ah, I want you to listen to this answer. Numbers 32, verse 16 to 17 to 18. The Reubenites and the Gadites the tribes of Reuben and the tribe of Gad. We will build sheepholds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but, everybody say, but, we will take arms ready to go before the people of Israel until we have brought them into their place. We will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. Mabait ba o mabait? Are, are, are they okay? Mukhang mabait. They're good. They're saying, up, 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 up. Moses, Moses, if that's your concern, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna live here beside the promised land. We're gonna build sheepfolds. We're gonna build cities for our little ones. But we're gonna stand beside all the other ten tribes and and clear the land and, and, and battle with their enemies. And then when everybody is settled in the promised land, that's when we return to our land. Outside. Just beside the promised land. So, discerning question. Are they okay or are they not okay? Hmm. Very nuanced. Everybody say nuanced. It's, it's a nuance. It's, 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 it's a... Oh, I don't know. We, we don't know. The biblical author keeps us in suspense. Or does he? Mm-hmm. You want to know the answer? Next week na lang. Do you want to know the answer? The biblical authors would give hints into what he's thinking. Because if you really want to know whether they did right or wrong, whether they did the will of God or not the will of God, you go through the biblical storyline. You keep on reading. We're, we're in the book of Numbers. Read the book of Deuteronomy. And then keep on reading all throughout the Old Testament. And then you will see, aha, 
then you know. You see, everybody say this, decisions have consequences. Do you agree with me? Every decision that you make in your life will have consequences. If you make bad decisions, you will get bad consequences. And so if you want to know whether the Reubenites or the Gadites, whether they did the will of God, you go through the story line of the Bible and then you will see, <laughs> they suffered bad consequences at the end of the biblical story. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But, but, even if you do not finish the storyline, and I'm going to tell you now, everybody say, see it? Okay. They did suffer bad consequences, okay, and, and in the biblical storyline. But even if you did not read the entire storyline of the Bible, you will actually already have a hint of, of, of the answer that they were not actually doing the will of God. Why? We talked here about design patterns some many, many weeks ago. And, 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 and we, we say repeatedly that the biblical authors use design patterns. Say those two words, please. And that one of the very clear design patterns when somebody is not doing what the will of God is, is you see, the biblical authors, they use always Genesis 1, 2, and 3 as a lens when they, when they wrote the story, and in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, there are stories there that are like a template. And so when Adam and Eve, when they fell, there's a design pattern there. Eve saw the fruit and took it. Everybody say, saw, took. One more time. Saw, took. Here... You found it. It's here. It's clearer in Hebrew, of course, than in English. But let's read again the verse that we read a while ago. Numbers 32. Chapter 32. And they saw, the, I'm talking about the Reubenites and the Gadites, and they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, and behold, the place was a place for livestock. They saw and they took. Like Eve saw the fruit, the fruit being offered by the serpent, and took. All throughout scripture, you find that design pattern. Can everybody stand up? We're going, we're going to a close here. Everybody say, saw, took. You've got Abraham. Again, very interesting. Abraham and Sarah did not have a child, could not have a child. Sarah says, get my maidservant, Hagar. Are you a little bit familiar with the story? Kind of, kind of. And so when the biblical story was telling, was telling that incident, that scenario, the biblical story, the author does not tell you, and then Abraham did something bad and got Hagar. No. He wants you to pick it up. And we know through the biblical storyline that bad consequences happen because of that decision. But, but, listen to me. Same design pattern. And Abraham, if you read the text, and Abraham saw Hagar and took her. Everybody say, ah. King David. King David in the palace. While everybody was at war. And, and they were fighting their armies. And, and 
King David in one lazy afternoon was strolling at the roof of his palace and law. What did he see? He sees Bathsheba. What was she doing? Bathing. That's why her name is Bathsheba. And then the biblical author uses the same design pattern. He saw Bathsheba. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so the Reubenites and the Gadites, they saw the land and they took. And it's a design pattern. The biblical author is giving you a hint. Everybody say hint. Maybe they're doing something wrong. What were they doing wrong? Ask me what. It seemed as though that they were more committed to their preferred land than to God. Did I just punch you in the solar plexus? There are times in our lives when we are more attached to what we want, the blessing, than to the blesser himself. There are times in our lives when we are so stubborn, when we will insist. And, and you know, to be fair, to be fair, the Gadites and the Reubenites, they were not like the ancestors. No, the, the ancestors of, 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 of these people, they were an all-out rebellion. They, they, they did not want God. They did not, no, they were not like that. They were somehow, somewhere there in the middle, in the, in the we, we want you, Lord. We, we really want you, but, but please, please naman. You see, God was giving them the promised land, and they, they did not want it. They wanted their version of the promised land. I love it. Did, did you hear me? They, God was giving them the promised land and they wanted their version of the promised land. And that's when we get into trouble, when we trust in our wisdom and not in God's wisdom. When, when, when we, we, we want this, Lord. We think this is the best for us. What is most advantageous for us? That's us. You know what? A three-year-old toddler can ask that question. It's a good question. It's a fair question. But it's not enough to ask the question, what is best for me? What is most advantageous for me? Because God is a God who does not live in three dimensions. He is not limited to your height, to your width, or to your length. He is a God with, with a million dimension. And He sees the future. And He sees a million years from now. And He's a God who knows what is best for you, and best for your neighbor, and best for your child, and best for your grandchild. God sees everything. And He knows what is best for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? All throughout the biblical story, there is a war. We read it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. What's the war? Ask me, what's the war? It's the war between man's stubborn will. We're pretty stubborn, yes or no? We are so stubborn, we are so proud, we are so immature, we are so, we, we like what we want and then we fight for it and we compromise and we insist. We are more committed with what we want than with, with, 
God himself. And I'm telling you, this is crazy. You find it all through the biblical stories. We insist. So, so the first force of this war is man's stubborn will. But there's another force in this battle. And you find it here all throughout scripture. Do you know what this other force is? It's really funny because the Gadites and the Reubenites, they wanted a land a little bit outside the promised land. And you find a God. If you read through Deuteronomy and you find through all the way through the prophets, you find a God who does not reject totally, but keeps on saying, come back. So in their unfaithfulness, God remained faithful. And in Deuteronomy, you find a God who says, Okay, I mean, you don't see this text, but you, you kind of like see this in the story where God says, I will still allow the Eden-like blessing to flow out of the promised land. There, there, there's still this God who, who bends and, and waits and, you know, just tries to find a way to reach you. All throughout scripture, there is a war between man's stubborn will and God's stubborn love. And I want you to know there is a clear winner to this war in this book. And that, and the clear winner is that God's stubborn love is stronger than our stubborn will. And He will keep on reaching out for you. He will keep on saying, come here, come back to me. When I was 30 years old, I was discerning, discerning, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. I was, I was listening to Doc Rye and and yeah, that, that, was, that was me, 30 years old. I, I was thinking, I was attracted to married life, but I was attracted to single life. I was, I was torn, you know. And, but, but I said to myself, if I will get married, I do not want to be like my friends who were also my fellow missionaries who got married and then didn't have money. And I said, no, no, I, if, if I'm going to get married, I'm going to be a millionaire missionary. <laughs> I, I, I want to keep on serving the Lord without any care or, or money will no longer be an issue. I, I just had that in my mind. And so I went through discernment, struggled with it. Discerning the will of God is very difficult, um, especially for the major decisions of your life. But, but, but I said, yes, Lord. And, and then I, I remember going up a mountain and I took a retreat for seven days. And I brought with me two important things, a Bible and a wise Jesuit priest. And he led me into that discernment. And so in that retreat, oh my gosh, I said, Lord God, okay. This is the thing. When you go into discernment, do not become like the Reubenites and the Gadites. They enter the presence of God with attachments already. And that's not good. St. Ignatius of Loyola would say this that if you want to discern the will of God, you come empty. You do not come with biases because that will color your decision-making. You do not confuse the end and the means. Do not be attached to the means, be attached to God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? 
God is the only end. Everything else is the means. And so, he, here's the thing. He, I remember in the third day of that retreat, oh my gosh, it was such a struggle. I was lying down on the floor. I was drenched in sweat. My whole body, just, just every ebb of energy drained out of my body. So I was struggling, struggling um, to clear and be detached. And on the seventh day, I felt I was free. I felt on the seventh day of that retreat, I remember I, I said, Lord, what do you want? What do you want for my life? That's what I want. And I felt I was free from attachment. It was like I was giving God, and I love this illustration, I was giving God a blank check. I signed it already, and I said, you, f you put the figure, Lord. You tell me what you want for my life. And I think that's something I'm inviting all of you to do today. To sign the check, and then to give it to God and say, Lord, you tell me what to do. No attachments, no biases. I just want you. You tell me what to do. Do not become like the Reubenites. Do not become like the Gadites who were more committed to their preferred land than to God himself. You say, Lord, your will. That's, what, that's what's best for me and my family. Your will. Do you understand me? Are you ready to do that right now? Of course, after the seventh day and I gave that to the Lord, it was, became clear what I wanted to do and what God wanted me to do. And I went to my, my priest friend who was leading me in that retreat and I said, Father, this is what I believe God wants me to do and this is what I think what God... And, and, and he said, he smiled and he said, go for it. And 25 years later, I'm celebrating my, our anniversary with this woman. And, uh, and I am an entrepreneur and, and God has blessed our businesses and the storyline um, of following God and obeying God in the midst of all the trials, God has blessed. Let me end with how the stubborn love of God defeated man's stubborn will. Ask me how. He did it all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, but then God had a checkmate move. Because we could follow Moses, and we could follow Abraham, and we could follow Isaiah, and we could follow Jeremiah, of course, but they were all imperfect. And then he sent his son Jesus, who on the Garden of Gethsemane gave a blank check to his father. And he said, your will be done, not mine. And that is Jesus. And today Jesus says, you can't do it on your own. It's okay. It's difficult to be detached. But I will be with you. I will help you write that blank check to the Father. Put your hand over your chest. Ask Jesus for help. He died on the cross, nailed his self-will on that cross. Nailed it. 
because he wanted God's will. And that's what we need to do. As we are standing before the Father, ask him for help to be able to write that blank check and to surrender all attachments so that you will be very free to do what he wants you to do. Everybody say, Jesus, help me. Help me to write that blank check and to sign it and to help me to tell you I will do your will. Amen. Let's worship God. Let us be our prayer. God, if you're willing, please take it away. This suffering and pain, take them away from my hands. God, if this burden uncovers your plan, I trust in your ways. I take it with my open hands. Oh, God, I want only what you desire. Oh, not my will, yours alone will be done. I embrace this cross. Just as you, Lord, have done, this is not the end. You will turn this around, this breaking into glory, these bones into my crown, for I know you not my will, but your will be done. Let your will be done. Come on, sing it out. Darling, you whispered, it's finished, it's done. My new life began, and you there is hope that I found.
conquer the grave and the cross And I know you'll overcome Not my will, but your will be done Come on, sing it out Let's all make a decision. Are you ready? For some of you, it's the first time you're making this decision to give a blank check to God. Sign it with your name. If you're ready, let's do it. For some of you, it's a resurrendering of your life to the Lord. You've done this last year, five years ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago. I don't know when, but resurrender today. This is the moment you're standing before the presence of God in His throne room. I want you to get that check in your mind and in your heart. I want you to sign it. Sign it. That's right. Sign it with your name. And then give it to the Lord. Can I invite you to symbolize this by lifting an, a hand to the Lord lifting an arm to the Lord and imagine that you are giving that check to the Lord that blank check and you say this prayer with me if you are ready to say it Lord I'm giving you my life my heart my mind my emotions my imagination my commitments my attachments my future, I'm yours. Your will be done, not mine. Your will. I follow you. I follow you. I follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.